Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Welcome back to Better Family Travel. I'm Kathleen Monroe, traveling today with Amy DeCesare. In this episode, we are joined by a guest that will share a passion with us that many of us inherently know, but maybe don't fully understand. Amy, you know that feeling you get when you just know that something works, but you don't really know why? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, for example, we know that using a super high, silly voice with infants and toddlers gets their attention. We know it works, but not a lot of people have taken a class to learn about why that works, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of things in our just day-to-day existence that we know inherently works or is good for us, but we don't always really know why. We know the value of fresh air and the warm fuzzies that sun on our faces can bring, but there's so much more to the health benefits of nature. So with that thought, Amy, would you introduce (laughs) our guest for tonight? Absolutely. So Kathleen, I'm really excited to introduce Alexandra Lowry. I went searching for her and she came up. It was something I was really very curious about, a topic that, so just to back up, you know, with the pandemic and talking about everything, you know, we've searched about different things. And one of the things that as we're coming into year two of the pandemic, I really wanted to to focus even more on health and wellness. I feel like that's one of the areas of my life that I haven't focused as much on and I struggle with and I wanted to understand better. And looking at that, videos kept popping up on YouTube on forest bathing, a topic I had never heard of before and being very good friends with you and knowing how you search out the forest when you are stressed and everything else. It was something that spoke to me. And so I went searching and I found Alex and I'm really excited to have our conversation today. Alex, welcome to Better Family Travel. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Well, I am a parent as well of four grown sons. I live in Granby, Connecticut. And I'm an integrative life coach. I also work in the outside workforce. Unfortunately, I was laid off due to the pandemic, like so many of us. But, it, you know, interestingly enough, this passion project that I have around forest bathing, I've been developing for five years now. And it's really taken off in interest this year due to the pandemic. And, you know, it's something that I stumbled upon in my own wellness journey. You know, about five years ago, I went through a major life transition and found myself on the trail. And every day, almost every day, walking and healing myself and became very curious about what it was about the trees. I knew I was very connected to trees, the trees of my life growing up. I, a little girl, I was eating trees. I, you know, thought I was kind of, you know, different that way, a little closet tree hugger. And in my adult life, I lost that connection over time and, and found myself finding solace in the forest. So my initial study brought me to the nature and biology of trees is really what I was studying. And in that 
journey, came upon this phrase, Shinrin-yoku. And when I dug a little deeper, I was blown away knowing, you know, by the description and everything that I read, it is really what I had been doing intuitively since I was a very small child. And I think, you know, many of us who do find ourselves drawn to nature and in particular trees in the forest, uh, you know, tree huggers, even gardeners too. I think gardeners have an affiliation with the land, the soil is very important. Really, you're somewhat forest based. It's such an interesting term, forest bathing, right? And that's, I mean, I think it's one of the things that get your attention, like forest bathing, like, you know, what exactly are you asking me to do out in the woods? But it's really, uh, you know, as I researched it, it was, it's really quite fascinating. Like you said, I think it's a lot of what we've done intuitively, many of us. And I know my dear friend, who is also my co-host, does this. Um, I've seen her stressed and head to the woods. And she usually now brings us along with her. Right, and I Kathleen? return a completely different person. My kids even know when I'm in a bad mood that going out for a hike is absolutely the prescription for healing. You know, and we often find ourselves skipping along halfway through saying, this is my happy place. I love being out here with everybody. It really is a, a sure thing turnaround for us. Well, it's forest bathing. Yeah, the Japanese term is Shinrin-yoku. So the term Shinrin-yoku literally translates to taking in the forest atmosphere or forest bathing. And that's really referring to the process of being present and soaking up the sights and the smells and the sounds of the natural setting um, to promote physiological and psychological health. And, you know, we all know that nature is beneficial to us. You, and, you know, I love going to the beach or anywhere really in nature connecting. But what's unique about forest bathing is are the trees and the chemicals, uh, the phytoncides that are literally raining down on us while we're in the forest that has a direct and measurable impact on our human health and biology. And, you know, this is what's exciting in just in the last five years, you know, when I started studying this and talking about this and connecting with Connecticut Forest and Park Association, and no one was doing this. And it was just starting on the West Coast. It was coming East. And um, now it's very become very popular. If you, you know, Google forest bathing, you're going to get reams and reams of information. But at the time that I was starting to become interested in this um, because I knew how it helped me. And because I had been and still am an integrative life coach, I thought, my gosh, this is this is going to have this is going to help other people. And it's just another tool for my tool chest, you know, um, in the work that I do in helping helping individuals. I think there's so much in what you just said to unpack. And I'd like to start if we, if it's okay with the sensory part of it. One of the things, you know, Kathleen and I have talked about many times, especially because both of us have some sensory sensitive children. And I think, and honestly, probably sensory sensitive adults in our family as well. So we are very in tune to that sensitivity and had conversations about, you know, how to get sensory sensitive kids on planes. You know, my older son, 
I have I have two boys and a girl, um, boy, girl, boy. My oldest son really struggles with his vestibular system. He gets dizzy very easily. He, he's he's nine years old. He can't do the swings. And it makes him feel uncomfortable because at nine years old, you should be able to do the swings in his mind. And he cannot do swings without getting incredibly dizzy. And so that sensory piece of it, that getting engaged with all of your senses in a positive way that forest bathing does, it's not just a hike through the woods. It's not just the cardiovascular exercise. It's something so so much more profound than that is my understanding of forest bathing. It really is. And, you know, the main objective when I take a group of people or an individual on a guided, I call them guided, guided walks, it's really to help them reconnect with their sense perceptions. Now, you know, you're talking about children who might actually be somewhat hypersensitive, but I, you know, some of that may have to do with our world at large. You know, everything that we're being bombarded with, you know, back in, it's amazing, back in the early 1800s, you know, uh, William James coined the phrase that attention is our greatest currency. And now more than ever, that is, you know, the way of the world, right? What do marketers want? They're just all vying for your attention. And as much as we try to protect our children from the onslaught of, you know, and technology is great. I'm not, you know, booing that. But, you know, we're inundated so much so that so many people are walking around on in this low-level stasis of stress. They don't even know it because they've become acclimated to it. So on one hand, it's great to help people reconnect to their sense perceptions because we don't use our senses like we used to because we're overwhelmed. So we start dumbing down, numbing out. Now for a child who's hypersensitive, one of the wonderful things about the forest in particular is that it's so benevolent. You know, you can take a child and just, let's just be, let's just Mm -hmm. sit, you know, let's just, you know, look around, dig around. It's, you know, it's a very benevolent, you know, hopefully safe place a child feels in to just be themselves and to just, you know, listen, it's like doodling and daydreaming. We need a little bit more of that, right? And uh, one of the other reasons why the adult coloring book, you know, passion kind of exploded years ago, but they talk about that, the need be bored and the, 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 that we just need to be a little more bored. And it's hard, right? Because I, I'm i a full-time working mom and up until the pandemic, I didn't work out of the house. I'd maybe come, you know, work from home if I was lucky one day a week. And so we had full-time childcare. We had, we had a wonderful babysitter. She was absolutely fantastic. And, but I would have to tell her like, I want the kids to be a little bit bored, which is an awful hard instruction to give. Like, I want them to be stimulated but bored at the same time. So if you could arrange that, you know, uh, and if you could do the dishes, that would be great. She's no longer with us, but that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) She really was fantastic. Um, But yeah, the, the letting, giving your mind space to just imagine because there's so much that works in your brain that is not your your that you're in your awareness and giving yourself time for that to bubble up and i think maybe that's a little bit of what the forest bathing does so i want to jump in here because i think you are kind of onto something but i want to be careful to make a distinction between boredom and mindfulness because we do want to teach our children to be bored because that teaches them to do some thinking on their own and tap into their creativity their innovative 
nature, problem solving skills, social skills, self-regulation. Boredom is something very, very important for children. But we're talking about my precious forest here. And I think that I want to make sure that people know when you are out in wilderness and in, in, even if it's just a patch of woods in your backyard and but trees are a big part of this for sure. Specifically when you're surrounded by trees bigger than you, it's not so much the point of being bored, but being in the moment and being mindful. Alex, how do you talk to your clients and your friends and listeners about mindfulness while you're in a forest bathing journey? Well, my, um, particular my process is I think somewhat unique I take I create a blend of the mindfulness with information about the science around what's happening in your brain I I like to mix it up with my my groups so that they have an experience on many different levels and let me let me explain so with my process I start with the introduction, you know, I give them a little background, a little bit of science information and, and how this process was developed. Then I talk to them about the importance of breathing. And, you know, most of us are shallow breathers. That too, we're not aware of, you know, I met a, a massage therapist from over in France and he said, you Americans are shallow breathers. And it's true. We really don't utilize now, the other thing we know about breathing and really focusing on, on, on that, you know, it actually will activate other systems in your, in your body as well to help, you know, moderate, you know, stress levels, cortisol levels, you know, there's a, just a, I could give you a whole laundry list of benefits. So we start with that and speaking about boredom and it, it's kind of funny because it's a slow meditative process. And I tell people this, I say, listen, you know, this is not a, you know, half hour thing, although you can do it on your own. There's really no right or wrong to it. But when I take people out and re-engage them to all their senses, it takes a while. So we build, and that's my intention is to build on each sense perception. We start with breathing. I give them information about what's happening to them physiologically so that they understand that importance. We take the time. To, to do that. And then we start in with uh, our sense of smell. And I talk to them about and give them information about why that's important. And that our, you know, interestingly enough, our smell is closely related to, is most closely related to our sense of memory. And, and, and also why it's so, you know, it's in like the same area of the brain and, and what's going on. So I give them a little background in science to hook them and be curious enough to actually really practice it. So we practice that. Then we go on to the next sense perception and we build and build and build. And I, we stop along the trail and I give them what's called invitations um, where they can practice this for a few minutes on their own. Then we come together and we share a little bit of observations and, and humor. You know, I like to make these um, events interactive. People come up with fascinating things all the time. And it's a great collaboration with the woods and the trees and with each other, you know. And I also um, introduced the idea of our ancient tracking system. And we practice that so that by the end, you know, we end with intuition. And by the end of, of this long, usually it's 
two and a half hours, two to two and a half hours of a, of a session. And people are flying high. They can't believe how, how wide, how blown open their, their senses are because, you know, we've got learned deafness, our kids' eyesight, eyesight is failing because of lack of natural light. And there's all different reasons why adults and children and everybody can, can benefit from this great process. You know, and, and I, if I could just add real quick, one of the, one of the byproducts that I hadn't counted on um, when I started this, the benefits was connection not just to oneself, you know, people do find healing within themselves. And I always invite them to say, or to um, hold on to an idea or a question in their hearts that they have. Maybe there's a conflict going on in their lives. And just ask, you know, ask for guidance, ask for inspiration. And what happened, and so I knew they would connect to themselves. I knew they would connect to nature but they connect to each other. So I take this seemingly random group of strangers. Sometimes I do groups, you know, organizations that know each other. But when I do it for the general public, it's really fun to see how by, you know, the end of the the event, people are exchanging phone numbers and saying, hey, let's go grab lunch. Anybody want to join us? And so it's, it's a beautiful, benevolent process that really connects people. I'd like to contribute here as well because um, speaks to an experience I had in my past and we've had several episodes where we've talked about teenagers, social isolation related to COVID lately. Um, how do we help our kids be socially healthy beings despite the fact that they've been kept away from other people and at that stage of development, it is so important that young brains compare themselves against others in the world around them so that they can figure out what their role is and what their place in the world is. So I'm thinking because as things start to open up a little more, certainly when we're outdoors, we are in a more safe environment in terms of contagiousness, right? When I was in college, like many, many, many young adults, I went through periods of feeling very depressed for what seemingly legitimate reasons and for just neurochemical imbalance reasons. And one of the things that saved me from what felt like hopelessness was joining the hiking club at my university. And I've been an outdoorsy person pretty much forever. Um, and I knew it was something that I wanted to do. Something, there was still like a light in my heart somewhere that knew, like reach out and do this thing with a group of people. But it was the instant family that was created by a group of people that went out into nature, particularly because I went to college in New York City. So I was devoid of nature. I had no fresh air. I had very little natural sunlight. I was a college student, so I wasn't even awake when there was natural sunlight out, right? So I was really hurting myself uh, and neurochemically. And so I have these memories. I mean, I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones when I even think about what it was like walking with a group of people in the woods and having a common experience and the safety that we experienced with each other, the conversations, the things that we would confess to each other on hikes. It was like unbelievable, not the kind of thing you would share with a group at the library or, you know, sitting at the cafeteria having lunch. I wonder if those of you listening, if you have nephews, if you have children, if it's you 
feeling like you are so lonely and you're not sure where to go to start reaching out socially for yourself or for somebody that you care about, going for a hike in the woods with other people might be a great place to start. There are connections to be made there that everyone here has has experienced. And I think, you know, I'd love to hear other people's stories of success like that too, because I bet they are unlimited, you know? Absolutely. Alex, I'm curious on on one of the other things you said, because, you know, there is the spiritual aspect and the sensory aspect, but my understanding is that there's been some serious or some recent studies on how the trees connect. And you you had alluded to it earlier, some of the, the chemical processes, but my understanding is that it actually does help the immune system, that there's been some studies to show that, especially now in this day and age when we're all about immune system and how do we stay healthy, that it's not just the, the, the mind benefits, but there is some actual physical benefits that they're finding from doing this practice. Yeah. And, um, you know, the medical community, um, the scientific community has known about this since the very early 80s. Studies have been done that show that being amongst the trees and really what's happening is we're ingesting these phytoncides, which are chemicals the trees emit. They're in the terpene family and they boost our immune system by enhancing what's called our NK killer cells. That's basically our immune and our cancer-fighting cells. So they know this, they've studied this. You know, when you step upon, you know, onto the forest floor, um, once you engage into the experience, you know, your stress, your cortisol levels are directly diminished. Um, your, Your mood is elevated. You know, there's many studies, famous studies about uh, recovery from surgery uh, or illness, um, that this has been key. Just, you know, patients who are in a hospital room recovering, you know, do they have access to view nature, even if it's in, you know, uh, landscapes in their room? This has been studied. So we know because we are biophilic, what's called biophilic creatures. We are of nature. So we have this inherent love of nature and what's called affinity to nature. And one of the other, I mean, there's huge brain benefits, you know, talking about, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed in life, you know, probably what might be happening is your prefrontal cortex is going nuts, you know, as most of us all day, you know, that's our administrator, that's our doer, it gets, you know, that's the part of our brain that gets things done, but it's in overload. And what happens is when we're in nature, it literally softens the prefrontal, quiets it down. It's almost an instant reaction um, so that the rest of our brain can fire up. And that's the seed of our creativity. That's our intuition. That's so while we're softening, we're also, you know, carving new neural pathway because we're looking at the beauty of nature and the sacred geometry and what's called fractal fluence. I mean, I could go on forever and I give little tidbits, you know, uh, for people to understand that, you know, the green, the color green, you know, the smell of pine. And there's all these triggers um, to our human biology that makes us feel this affinity and love because it heals us. 
Yeah. Our previous guest did some research um, of a teacher grant funded trip to Australia researching outdoor learning spaces for children. And she is a speech language pathologist and noticed that the children in those outdoor programs had vocabularies that blew her out of the water compared to the American children that she knows. And she really attributed their vocabulary to their access to experimenting outdoors, to the different sensory experiences that they had, to the problem solving and the planning and the, all of that that you're talking about. If, it, if you think about what you just said about the prefrontal cortex being inhibited a little bit and allowing the other parts of the brain to take over, that's a language center opportunity right there. You've opened the door for thinking about thinking. You know, ruminating even gives you a chance to reflect and be more metacognitive about everything um, and really allows you to take off in terms of growth and learning. So my question to you, Alex, is how long of a time would you recommend to be out? And, and what are sort of like, what should you be aiming for if you go out to get the most benefit out of forest bathing? Well, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> so as much as possible, and when, you know, even if it's just for a few minutes, stepping out on your deck and breathing in the air, but as far as a um, kind of a, a, a continual, you know, prescription for forest bathing, I would say, you know, it's been suggested to get out at least three minutes, slow, meditative, contemplative walk. Um, this is not a, a hike. This is not really a fast, you know, purpose-driven, you know, goal-oriented athletic event. I love hiking and I like athletic hiking, but this is more of a slow meditative walk. And to just observe, you know, just to be, to breathe, to connect to your senses, even if it's for 20 minutes, uh, as much as possible during, you know, if you can do it, you know, a couple of times a week, you know, I, it's funny, one of my sons lived and worked in New York City before the pandemic. and. He a very stressful job, and he called me one time and he said, "Mom, you know, you'd be proud. I went to Central Park and sat under the tree on a bench for you know ten minutes, and it made all the difference." It, you know, you just find a little. I know that's not really conclusive, but just find a little little spot of paradise wherever you can. Maybe you know, if you can't get outside, some people can. Watch nature videos. Oh my gosh. Listen, you know, listen to, you know, spa music, right? Wind, water, and birds. That's the, the healing trifecta of nature sounds. It's no wonder spas, you know, use that, those sounds. So there's a lot of different ways to connect to nature in your daily life. When your kids were little, did you go on hikes with them? And did you try to incorporate some of that? Or was that something you came upon after they were grown? How did you do that with the kids? Well, I had four little boys uh, and I was a single parent. So I didn't get out hiking with them as much as I liked. But we had a lot of land. We were fortunate to... Our backyard backed up uh, on uh, 15 acres of town conservation. So, um, and I also got involved with establishing a nature park next to our neighborhood. So that was really my way of, you know, uh, making sure they were connected to nature. But they were they were outside all the time. 
all the time. And I, uh, you know, didn't get to do too many hikes with them because their ages were, they, I, they had a 10 year span between them. But when we could, we got out. We, we did a lot of the ocean, you know, and it's interesting, you know, if you guys have ever talked about um, negative and positive ion impact on our human biology, you know, we're, we're overwhelmed with positive ions from technology. And one, a great way to rebalance our human physiology energetically is to go to the ocean and walk barefoot, and that will help uh, rebalance you'll get bathed in, in negative ions, which sounds like a bad thing, but it's the balance that's important. Well, the forest floor is number two. So you can get a lot of ion rebalancing that way too. And I've actually had people come on uh, walks with me who, who walk barefoot. It always amazes me. Um, and uh, when we do processes, they'll literally just lie right on the, the dirt you know, in the forest, which is so healing. So yeah, so playing in the dirt, I highly recommend it. Amy's children went home today after playing in the dirt at my house. So hopefully, Amy, you're, you're thanking me now for bathing your children in negative ions, aren't you? I am, you know, because with Alex, with the pandemic and, you know, winter. So Kathleen lives across the street from me, um, but we live on a busy highway. So across the street also means a car ride to get across so we can wave. And actually during the shutdown, like when everything was closed and we weren't interacting, one time we went to the end of our street and we started banging on pots and pans because we missed, and they were on their other side of the, which should have been a busy road, but really wasn't because nobody was out and about. But so it's not an easy to get back and forth, but we are across the street. So within sight of each other, but a balance. And so, but we haven't played outside with friends. It, it was, it's been a long winter. It's been a very long winter and the kids were outside today and we brought them over and they just played, honestly, they played in the mud and the dirt and, you know, like, they had the their best shoes time. And socks off and just did what they, they, forest bathed in the pine trees next to the house and like started taking their shoes off, like getting into it, you know, it's like, I want to get in on that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of benefits, a lot of good microbes in the dirt, you know, so it's, it's good for our kids. And I think you crave it too. You know, it it was almost a joke, but I know there wasn't a lot we could do last spring and summer and we all were trying to be outside more, but you know, it, it was, it was so, it was packed but there was something really great about it too, you know, that we just had to be outside. Like if we wanted to socialize with our friends, we had to do it outside. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, one of it's crazy, the, the amount of foot traffic on the trails. I mean, that's been an odd, you know, unusual benefit to, you know, there really is no upside to this pandemic, but it did, it has brought a lot of people um, into nature. And um, that's that's been really great. And I'm already starting to do events, um, scheduling events. I'm very excited, you know, to reconnect with everybody. I'm, I've missed everybody, you know, yeah. but I have been religiously going out on my own. I, I find that I need it a lot, you know. So I, I highly recommend it in any way, shape or form that you can get out there. Well, I wonder about accountability groups, like, you know how when you are trying to lose weight and you pair up with 
a, a Facebook group or, you know, a couple of colleagues at work and you kind of check in with each other, like making sure you're getting outside. I wonder if we all should be thinking about accountability connections as the world starts to resume some normalcy. I worry about getting back into the frantic, hectic um, schedules. I mean, we're starting to think about what activities our kids will be re-engaging in. And I'm, my stomach is sinking a little bit because I'm thinking, oh, we had all this, all this time. Where is that time going to go? And what are we going to do with it? And is this what I really want? I mean, I do, but I don't want to lose sight of some of the more important things. And I think that looking out for each other is something we've gotten very good at. Yes. We've gotten very good at looking out for each other during this pandemic. And I, I am urging everybody listening to continue looking out for each other by encouraging people to keep making healthy choices and at least allowing the injection of nature and mental health as a priority to continue to be a priority, not at the expense of getting back to normal. Yeah. Well, especially because I know the person that was asking about activities, it could have been somebody on the call, but (laughs) that's the rub, right? Because I love this time, this unscheduled time. And so, and it's been a lot and, you know, the kids have been lonely and, but now that they're able to go back outside, I'm very torn on how many scheduled activities do I do so that they're with their friends and how much do I purposefully carve out unscheduled time so that we can do the, oh, it's a, you know, it's a 60 degree day in March in Connecticut. Go put your friend out in the mud and we'll throw you in the bath later tonight. And I do, I hate giving that up. And it's hard because you feel, you feel like, I don't, I don't want them to be the only one unscheduled because then they're not with their friends, but I overscheduled them. We have to say no to all the, the best time. And it's, it's really hard part of, I think, modern life to be like, we know that this is the right thing to do. And how do you tell people that we're making room for doing nothing or whatever, you know, just taking the time for our own mental wellness. My, my kids, I will tell you, Alex, my kids have said they had the best summer last summer of their lives. They think it was the best summer. And it was. We stayed home. We hung out in the backyard. Like I said, Kathleen and her family live across the street. It was mostly the 10 of us. There's, there's between the two families, there's 10 people. And we would spend all day on Sundays in August. These were like, this reminded me of things my parents would talk about when the families would just get together for a picnic and they would just visit all day. And that's what they were. They were just all day visits in the yard. You know, we'd cook, we'd cook on the grill. We'd have food out. There'd be some games, like a lot of great conversation, some really good wine. But that's how it was. 10 hours at a time. I mean, outside all the time. And it was amazing. Yeah. And people would be like, what did you do this weekend? And, and you'd be like, it would hard to say. And at the same time, you'd be like, it wasn't something that you could really go and say, like, I, I just sat around and talked to people. But it was like the best. It was the best time. Yeah. it's I, I th- That's one of the, the gifts, right? Is unscheduled time just to be, be together. You don't have to be anywhere any certain time. You can keep doing that as a family. And as far as, you know, mommies and daddies and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, they need forest bathing too. You know, you can do a family, you know, schedule family hikes or nature, you know, engage, you know, engaging in nature, wherever it may be for you, you know, continue it and make it a priority, you know, 
your kids. I mean, honestly, I wish I had done more of it when my kids were little. And, you know, I, I, I regret, you know, that I didn't let my kids take off in the woods. And, you know, I was like, oh, there's, you know, I was a little more protective that way than I would be today, I think. <laughs> but uh, I'm still apologizing to my son. I wouldn't give him a pocket knife. <laughs> He's gotten over it, the Swiss Army knife. Uh, he's like, he's like, Mom, I would have killed myself. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But, you know, those are the things, you know, when you, your kids will always remember that. You know, they'll remember these times of your gatherings. That's really precious. Yeah. Alex, it has been great talking with you. I really have loved learning more about forest bathing and if I or one of our listeners wanted to learn more about you or signing up for one of these, where should they go? How, how can they learn more or incorporate this into their life? Oh, thanks for asking. It's been such a pleasure talking with you, Amy and Kathleen, tonight. Well, my practice is called The Wisdom Alliance. And if you Google that, you'll find my website. And feel free to contact me, reach out to me. My email is alexandra at the web at thewisdomalliance.com and just say, hey, how do I find out, um, you know, when your public events are and, and uh, put them on a mailing list. I never market on my mailing list as far as I don't sell my names or anything. So it's, yeah, they can reach out anytime. Look me up. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and, uh, you know, connect, just reach out. If I can you know, it's a, it's a very collaborative community, the forest bathing and the, the nature and echotherapy community. We, we uh, consult each other. And so if anyone's curious about learning more, let me know. So Kathleen, did that speak so, to your soul? So I, I still have about 20 questions that I'd like to ask Alex. Um, and I think that I will be corresponding with her. I have a couple of questions that we didn't get to ask. Um, you know, she talked about phytoncides. Did I pronounce that correctly? I think so. While I was looking up forest bathing, I, I had read that some of the researchers looking into the actual chemical release of the trees extracted essential oils from this particular tree in Japan. Did you read about that too? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And they did controlled studies where they released those essential oils in a room not out in nature, but with with subjects to see if they would have the same health benefits as being out in the forest. Is that really, you know, part of what's creating the difference, or is it physically being out in nature? And and there were some interesting benefits from just the essential oils from those trees being released. And I wanted to ask her if if there's any more on that. If that's something that we have access to. If there's anything that we can apply look for, use, you know, I think she said the sounds of wind, birds and water, you know, um, mm -hmm. smell is associated with memory. She talked about the smell of pine. Well, you know, we have our balsam fir candle that we burn at Christmas time before the Christmas tree comes out because we're so excited for that yeah. smell, right? So I'm wondering, you know, if you could just do a, 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 a double up on using that sensory experience by actually getting some of the chemicals or molecules or something. I don't even know. Right. But I'm yeah. curious if you 
what else can we medicinally, therapeutically, we can't all get out into nature all the time. So what else is out there? You know? Yeah. I'd really like to try it, to be honest with you. It it was one of those things that popped up. But at first, again, the name sounds so odd, forest bathing. That you're like, <laughs> what kind of crazy new age thing is this? You know, forest bathing. <laughs> or maybe that's just me who thinks that way. No, wait, but- wait, wait. Listen, when you, pro- when you approached me with this topic, I'm not going to lie. I was like, ah! Oh, and then I mentioned it to a couple of people like, have you heard of this thing, forest bathing? Well, I'm the one looking like a moron because everyone was like, oh yeah, there's this whole thing. It's this Japanese blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm the last one in the know. So please, there's nothing like new. I, I This is way more popular than I had any idea. Well, you know, if you start to string together our episode, you talked about themes. You know, <laughs> yesterday we learned, all right, wait, hold on, two episodes we learned how Kathleen's family is getting passport photos, but they don't have a destination. <laughs> Last week's episode, we learned how teachers could get grants to study abroad. Now we've talked about, and I believe your ideal destination was Japan. So perhaps, perhaps you could weave the whole thing in and figure out how forest bathing could help. I don't know how it helps bilingual, <gasps> bilingual. But uh, I'll leave well, the rest bilingualism, of you. Bilingual individuals tend to have a different cognitive profile than monolingual individuals. And I wonder if bilingual individuals who have had excessive outdoor experiences demonstrate any brain mapping differences. And you put the- that in your whole, what did she say? Not quadrant. What do you call it? The thing that you guys teachers have to do. But you put that in your list, the thing that Amy talked about on the last episode. To write up a grant for the you got your grant and, and my grant. And the rubric. The rubric. The rubric. That's what it was. Stick it in the rubric. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll feed the cats while you're gone. So you all go do that. <laughs> I feel like I can make a case for, you could be my experimental family. Like we're going to give it a try live online. <laughs> We, we need to have a, a, an ex, a sample group with me. Yeah, absolutely. It to be five people. <laughs> so, so you think we can look up Alex site though and, and go forest bathing here? You think we could get a group of people together and maybe, I think uh, we could. you know? I think yeah. the hardest thing is going to be not athletic hiking. But, uh, stopping I, and just like being. I saw your face when it was like, not a hike. You're like, what do you mean not a hike? What Wait you- a second. What? what? This is like bait and switch. I, I mean, I know we're not on camera, but I could see you twitch, to be honest with you. And <laughs> you were like, what? What? We're not hiking? But- oh, I mean, Amy, you know me. I have been so proud of the physical care I've given myself since the pandemic to be healthy mentally, because I was really worried about what was going to happen to me emotionally during this pandemic. So I'm like, I'm going to be healthy no matter what I do. And so I'm going to be outside lots and lots, which meant running, but like, I don't just run, like I'm going to run and run a marathon. Like, you know, you go outside to forest bathe. I'm like, I'm going to hike a mountain. And she says, no, no, (laughs) no, no, that's not what this is about. Yeah. Okay. I'm learning. I mean, it might be a really neat experience. Like you think about it with kids too, right? Because, you know, maybe they'll run through the woods, but really they want to stop and explore every avenue of the rock and the leaf and the, you know, just the contours of the tree. And, and like, what do we say to them when they do that? Let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Good. I'm trying to around here. Let's go. What are we doing? We're, <laughs> we're, we're on a relaxing family hike. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're yep. here to relax. Come on. Get with it. <laughs> Hurry up. But they do. They just want to watch that the 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 water go over the rocks and the brook, and they could do that for 
hours on end. You know, you drop belief in, you watch it go down, you see how that works. Like, that's all they want to do. And, you know, we drop, and I say we, but it's, you know, they, they, through the woods. And I did that. I'm thinking of a family hike we did this winter with my family. And we went, you know, to, to get to local woods and where we generally go hiking. And I had my Apple watch on and, you know, they stopped and they also have to look at stuff. And I'm like, Hey, come on, pick up the pace. I literally pick up the pace because, you know, I was there for exercise and like the purpose was to exercise where they're like, but there's a cool tree and the, bend in the rock and the so you have to go thoughtfully you have to you have to go with the purpose of relaxing and i want to just put this out there that is not it's easy to say out loud it's a lot harder to put into practice I, you know i said the word hurry up i i wanted to talk about hurry sickness you know just we don't really need to spend a lot of time on the concept a lot of people i'm sure have heard of the term hurry sickness we are all walking around like alex said with elevated cortisol levels it can make you really really sick heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, migraines, muscle aches, moodiness, uh, addiction. Yeah. Hurry sickness is, is, is real. And the more you build up those levels in your body, it's, you really have to detox from it. So you're going to say, let's go out into the wilderness and I'm going to be mindful. I don't expect it to be easy. And I don't think that anybody listening should expect to be able to just stop and breathe. Alex has a job for a reason. She's helping people check back in and stay on track and have a little bit of support. It is real that we have to retrain our minds and our bodies to accept a different pace. And it it is important work. And certainly for a, a better family travel tip for today, yeah. you do nothing but just give it a shot for even a few minutes to just give yourself permission to kind of let those levels settle a little bit. It's good for your health. I did that. Yeah. That there's really not much to add about that. It, I, I know I struggle with it, not hurrying. And, and the, <laughs> we're good friends, Amy. Uh, we are hurry well, people. <laughs> and it's not just the hurrying though. It's the, it's the uh, ambition to accomplish something too, right? Mm -hmm. it, it does. It, it really is a, a struggle between when you have goals and you want to work on those goals, but also appreciating where you are right now. And, you know, in some ways, maybe that's related to force baby, maybe it's not, but that's, that's what I struggle with, with the mindfulness, because I do have goals. I do have things I want to accomplish and you feel time. Like I, I need to be working on that. But at the same time, my baby's five. He's in kindergarten. He still snuggles up on my lap. My oldest still wants to snuggle. You know, my daughter still thinks I'm pretty cool. And let's be honest, there's going to be a time where she's going to be like, wait a minute, you're not cool. You know, it's going to come. And if I'm hurrying to get to those times when I've accomplished those goals, I'm going to leave this time. I'm going to leave these babies and I'm not going to be able to go back and visit this time again. And so I do struggle with that. Like, can I just appreciate now and be in the moment now? I do find it's much better when I put, you know, my device down. Like, and that's hard too. The the boredom of the pandemic, the always feeling like I have to be connected, checking the Facebook mom group, checking the this and the that. You know, I don't enjoy working in the kitchen very often. That's not my thing. Cooking is not my thing. But when I help in the kitchen, which I know I'm lucky, uh, you know, sitting here as a mom being like, sometimes I help in the kitchen <laughs> because my... <laughs> 
aren't I the great wife? I sometimes <laughs> chop the tomatoes. Usually I sit there and drink the wine and critique on the chopping of the tomatoes. <laughs> he enjoys that very much. But when I'm active with my hands, like you saw that this summer when I was cooking and everything else, those were my best days. Like I was busy doing something, but I found I was present while I was doing it. And those activities where you can be feed the need to be busy and doing stuff, but also be present. That's there's not a lot of that, you know, to find those activities. And maybe, you know, being out in the forest is one of the ways that that you can, you know, you've got you've done something. You've gone somewhere, you've traveled somewhere, but you've also been present too. All right, let's make a pact. Okay. Let's try to go for a non-hurried, non-accomplish a distance or anything hike at some point over the next week. And let's just reflect on what that feels like and how it went. I have a feeling I'm going to have some honest confessions for you about how hard that was. But even for someone who really ought to know better, I'm going to have a hard time with it. I'm, I'm definitely still pretty deeply entrenched in the need to check things off the list. Yeah. Um, mentality. I'm, I'm more, I'm a year into trying to recuperate from that. And I'm, I'm, I'm far from being where I want to be, but Hey, you know, knowing it and having some ideas of steps you can take and taking a slow mindful walk in the woods sounds like a really great next step. And on that note, we are so glad everybody listening. We are so glad that you're enjoying our special topics and our travel tips. We could not do it without the support that you show us by leaving feedback when you download our episodes and please by letting your friends know about us. Make your next stop our Better Family Travel group on Facebook and share your ideas and questions at AskBFT at BetterFamilyTravel.com. Extra special thanks goes out to the crew at CMG Podcast Network, whose production expertise supports an extensive family of podcasters and much, much more. Check them out at clovercrestmedia.com. Have a great night.